0: I am Thomas Solomon and you are listening to The VO2 Podcast. Having already discussed the post-exercise window and summarised the importance and nuances of carbohydrate and protein timing between your sessions, I now delve into the science that has led to the current knowledge. So, for the nerds among you, buckle up and join me on a journey into the role of carbohydrates in your recovery nutrition. Glycogen is an energy store found in many tissues of the body. It is a branched polymer of glucose molecules that are ready to be cleaved and metabolized to produce energy, ATP. In the context of exercise, glycogen stores in your liver and your muscles provide a vital supply of glucose for keeping you moving forward. In the early 1900s, a classic test tube muscle physiology experiment by Fletcher and Hopkins showed that isolated frog muscle could resynthesize glycogen from lactate following contractions in the complete absence of oxygen, truly anaerobic conditions. Outside the test tube, in living animals, mice also resynthesize glycogen following exercise-induced glycogen depletion in the complete absence of refeeding. This exciting phenomenon has now been extended to fish, amphibians, reptiles and other mammals, including our canine and equine brethren. While evidence shows that human muscle has some capacity for this mechanism, our post-exercise glycogen resynthesis in the absence of refeeding is very small and the phenomenon is not supported by all studies. Since the late 1960s, Thanks to Eric Holtman and Jonas Bergstrom, inventor of the needle muscle biopsy method, we have known that endurance exercise depletes muscle glycogen levels in humans, and that glucose provision during exercise reduces the rate of glycogen depletion. The same is true for resistance exercise. Since the early 1970s, We have also known that repeated daily hard training, including running, sequentially lowers muscle glycogen. We also know that the magnitude of glycogen depletion is determined by the duration and the intensity of your session, your cardiorespiratory fitness, i.e. your VO2 max, your pre-session glycogen level, and whether or not you ate carbohydrates during the session all of which are biological events that were excellently reviewed by Will Hopkins and Jose Arita in in their sports medicine meta-analysis. When no food is eaten after exercise, us humans can synthesise some muscle glycogen from lactate and amino acids, but we are not well equipped to be masters of this biological incredibility. And so, carbohydrate feeding is our best tool for glycogen resynthesis and the more we feed, the greater the rate of resynthesis. Even if we were well equipped to restore glycogen without feeding, shuttling amino acids away from protein building in the post-exercise period is unwise as it will encourage negative protein balance, making you weak and slow. Furthermore, following a bout of glycogen-depleting exercise, there is a significant loss of amino acids from leg muscle during exercise indicative of net protein degradation. Avoid getting yourself into this predicament too often, especially since low carbohydrate availability during intense training increases protein intake requirements in endurance runners. So what is the optimal timing of post-exercise carbohydrate ingestion for replenishing glycogen? To resynthesize muscle glycogen, carbohydrate must be eaten and digested, then glucose must be absorbed in the intestine, delivered to the muscle, taken up into muscle cells and stored as glycogen. Therefore, potential rate limiting steps include the intestinal absorption of glucose, muscle glucose uptake and glycogen synthesis. After exercise, when the gut is empty, ingested carbohydrates can easily be digested and moved into the intestine to be absorbed. After exercise, blood flow is increased and muscle capillaries are dilated, so glucose can easily be delivered to the muscle. During and for about two hours after exercise, glucose uptake into muscle is increased because more glucose transporters are embedded in the muscle cell membranes to allow more glucose to enter the cell from the blood. For a few hours after exercise, the activity of glycogen synthase, the enzyme that stores glucose as glycogen, is increased. And, for up to 24 hours following exercise, the muscle cell is more sensitive to insulin, a hormone that is released when you eat food and which tells muscles to allow more glucose to enter the muscle cells. So, glucose delivery to muscle is always possible but glycogen synthesis is highest in the first couple of hours after your session. What is the optimal dose or rate of post-exercise carbohydrate ingestion for replenishing glycogen? When no food is eaten after exercise, the rate of glycogen resynthesis is very low. With carbohydrate ingestion, this rate can be increased by about five to tenfold and the rate of resynthesis is proportional to the amount of carbohydrate ingested, up to a certain point. The increase in muscle glycogen synthesis rates during the 4-6 to hour recovery period after a workout is relative to the amount of carbohydrate ingested during that period. The experimental model that is used to determine this involves a glycogen depleting workout, often combined with a low carbohydrate diet, followed by different feeding strategies after the workout and another exercise test later in the day. During these tests, muscle biopsies are taken at regular intervals so that glycogen can be measured. This is a method I have used a ton in my own research. The evidence to date, that was recently reviewed by Javier Gonzalez and James Betts at the University of Bath, tells us that the muscle glycogen resynthesis rate following glycogen depletion Maxes out when carbohydrate ingestion reaches about 1.2 grams per kilo body weight per hour. Pushing carbohydrate intake beyond this dose causes no additional benefit. This observation is also supported by evidence that running performance is also restored by carbohydrate ingestion, but that it plateaus at an ingestion rate of approximately 1.2 grams per ki- 1.2 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight per hour within the hours following glycogen depletion. So, if your between-session nutritional urgency is high, consume up to 1.2 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram of body weight per hour before your second session of the day to restore glycogen and to get your legs ready to go again noting that this amount forms part of the recommended daily carbohydrate intake of around 5 to 10 grams per kilo per day for athletes engaged in moderate to heavy training loads. While most prior studies have examined glycogen repletion and/or the restoration of exercise performance within a, six, within a four to six hour window following glycogen depletion, it is important to remember that glycogen synthesis does not cease to exist beyond that 4 to 6hour window. In fact, total carbohydrate intake over the 24-hour period following a run is positively associated with increases in glycogen repletion up to at least 650 grams, or 2,600 calories of total carbohydrate intake over those 24 hours. What is the optimal type of post-exercise carbohydrate ingestion for replenishing glycogen? We consume carbohydrates in two forms, starch and simple sugars. Fibre is an indigestible starch that does not contribute to energy production. So when we talk about carbohydrates as a fuel, we refer to the available carbohydrate that is ingested and absorbed. We eat starch in vegetables and whole grains, and it must be digested into simple sugars like glucose, fructose and galactose before it can be absorbed in the intestine. We also eat simple sugars like glucose and fructose in fruits and vegetables and in grains, table sugar, energy drinks, candy and cakes and so on. As you can see, all carbohydrate-containing foods release simple sugars into the blood. These sugars can be used to synthesise glycogen either directly from glucose or indirectly from fructose, which can be converted to glucose in the liver. But do different types of carbohydrates influence the glycogen resynthesis rate? Of course they do. Insulin is a hormone that increases muscle glucose uptake and muscle glycogen synthesis. Just one bout of exercise increases the magnitude of the effect insulin has on these functions in muscle. This is known as an exercised-induced increase in insulin sensitivity, a phenomenon that was first demonstrated in humans in the 1970s, and something I have studied in detail during my academic career. Since simple sugars cause an insulin response, And, since ingested simple sugars are more rapidly absorbed compared to starchy carbohydrates, post-exercise sugar ingestion more profoundly increases glycogen resynthesis than starch ingestion. Therefore, high glycemic index foods, ones that cause a higher blood glucose and insulin response, typically result in a higher glycogen resynthesis response immediately after exercise. But again, Do not forget about the bigger picture. Adequate total carbohydrate intake over a 24 hour period can restore muscle glycogen no matter whether it comes from low GI or high GI foods or even liquid versus solid foods. On a more granular level, different types of simple sugars also influence glycogen resynthesis. For example, Glucose ingestion stimulates a greater glycogen resynthesis rate than fructose ingestion, while combined glucose and fructose, or fructose combined with maltodextrin, a tasteless long-chain glucose polymer, increases the rate of glucose appearance in the blood, i.e. has better intestinal absorption, and exerts an additive effect on glycogen resynthesis. For shorter bouts, for example 30 minutes, of running or cycling, combined glucose or maltodextrin with fructose, feeding restores endurance performance better than glucose or maltodextrin alone. However, for longer bouts, like up to 90 minutes, subsequent exercise performance within 4 hours of glycogen-depleting exercise is equally restored with either glucose or glucose plus fructose ingestion strategies during the between session period. To summarize that, when you train twice a day combined glucose and fructose or maltodextrin and fructose in the post-exercise period may be more advantageous than glucose alone, but Total daily carbohydrate ingestion is always more important than stressing over the type of carbohydrate or sugar for restoring glycogen and restoring performance. So, how can you eat carbohydrates after exercise to replenish glycogen? Yes, sports drinks, bars, and gels that provide sugary mixtures of glucose or maltodextrin and fructose can be used, but they are not nutrient dense and are not usually what many people crave at the end of a workout. So, how about some real food? Some fun evidence shows that following exercise-induced glycogen depletion, muscle glycogen levels and endurance performance are equally restored with either fast food, hamburgers, coke and fries, or sports nutrition products including Gatorade, Cliff Blocks, Cytomax and Power Bars, when matched for total calories and matched for total grams of carbohydrate and protein. Like I said, pretty fun. I love that research subjects came to a prestigious physiology lab and were told to exercise and then eat burgers. I do admit that back in 2007, I went through a phase I called Long Run Dirty Sunday, which involved driving to a different fast food outlet each Sunday night. I did not do this in the interest of recovery. Instead, it was prompted by the fact that I had just moved to the USA, and was surrounded by an abundance of dirty food outlets and no cultural barriers to stop me. I still bloody love a burger. Anyway, before I head too far off-piste, I do not advise smashing a KFC family bucket after any of your workouts. Neither do I suggest reaching for sports nutrition products, which, I agree, can sometimes be more convenient. Fast food and sports nutrition products are not ideal since they are not nutrient-dense. They do not provide a range of food groups nor a range of vitamins and minerals. Instead, try choosing nutrient-dense whole foods. This way, you can achieve your daily healthy eating goal while also achieving your between-session recovery nutritional goals. And, while doing so, you will learn that the magical glucose and fructose sugars are also found in very many of the commonly eaten foods. Fruits are abundant in sucrose and its breakdown products, glucose and fructose. And all carbohydrate-containing foods are ultimately digested to glucose. When choosing whole food sources, eating carbohydrates to replenish your muscle glycogen doesn't have to mean becoming a spaghetti fiend. I am always surprised how many folks solely associate pasta with carbo-loading. There are lots of whole food carbohydrate sources, including bread, rice, corn, potatoes, including sweet potatoes, couscous, quinoa, fruits, vegetables, etc. For example, One 55 gram power bar, an energy bar, provides around 200 calories, including 40 grams of carbohydrate. On the other hand, one cup, or 100 grams, of dry oats, plus half a cup of low-fat milk, plus one medium banana, and half a tablespoon of honey, provides just under 500 calories, including just under 100 grams of carbohydrate. Or, two cups of spaghetti with two tablespoons of pesto provides just short of 400 calories, including around 45 grams of carbohydrate. To help choose nutrient-dense foods, ones that you like to eat, while ensuring that they are meeting your recovery nutrition carbohydrate goals, there are a couple of very useful and free tools. FoodNutritionTable.com is an excellent resource for finding the nutritional value of different foods, as is the USDA Food Data Central. While Nutritionics hosts a user-friendly diet analysis tool with a database of grocery, restaurant and common foods from several countries. What can you add to your recovery toolbox? You can now bolster your recovery toolbox with knowledge of how the timing, dose, and type of carbohydrate can affect your between-session glycogen resynthesis rate and restoration of performance. But carbohydrate-rich snacks, meals, or drinks need to be integrated with your other recovery nutrition goals, like aiding muscle protein synthesis and maintaining hydration. These goals apply to both of our hypothetical athletes, Stone Gossard and Deborah Ann Dyer. Because of her high training load and high training frequency, Deborah, the 225 marathoner, makes purposeful glycogen replenishment decisions soon after every session, especially on days when she trains twice and her workouts are separated by just a few hours. Since she weighs 50 kilograms, Deborah aims for around 250 to 500 grams of total carbohydrate intake every day, equivalent to 5 to 10 grams per kilo per day, based on current sports nutrition guidelines. On her heavy load, two a day training days, Deborah aims to consume around 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour between sessions, meeting this 1.2 grams per kilo per hour goal and she does so using a mix of whole foods and carbohydrate-containing sports nutrition products. On the contrary, Stone, who weighs 75 kilos and trains just three times per week, which includes a five-kilometre park-run race every Saturday, is totally fine with eating around 375 grams of carbohydrate distributed across every day, equivalent to around 5 grams per kilo per day. Stone does not stress about immediate post-exercise feeding or dosing or types of carbohydrate in the post-exercise window since he usually has 48 to 72 hours until his next session. I intend these fictional examples to relate to your own needs, helping you learn how to tailor your nutritional strategies accordingly. As I will discuss in a future post, some training adaptations can be enhanced by occasionally doing sessions with low carbohydrate availability, which reduces muscle glycogen levels. This type of training can be put to good use, but it is best achieved within a well-managed training program. Why? Well, because it can easily be effed up. And because every ying has a yang. Glycogen depletion lowers both endurance and strength performance. For example, three weeks of a low-carbohydrate diet, containing less than 50 grams per day, worsened 10km time trial finish times in elite athletes when compared to a high-carbohydrate diet. And just two days of a carbohydrate-restricted diet following glycogen-depleting exercise decreased Back squat reps to failure at 80% of one rep max in trained lifters. There is more coming soon on low carbohydrate diets and fat adaptations, but for a deeper dive into glycogen in the context of athletic performance, I can recommend reading The Fundamentals of Glycogen Metabolism, a review pitched for athletes and coaches or Post-Exercise Muscle Glycogen Resynthesis in Humans, a review published by Louise Burke, Luke Van Loon, and John Hawley, three of the world's leading experts on the topic. Thank you for joining me for another session, and until next time, keep eating smart. If you are enjoying this free content, Please subscribe to my updates, like and follow at VO2 on social media and please also share these articles on your social media pages. If there are topics you'd like to know more about, then please drop me a line. If you would like to help keep this free content alive, please also consider buying me a beer by visiting buymeacoffee.com board slash thomas.solomon. I occasionally mention brands and products but it is important to know that I am not sponsored by or receiving advertisement royalties from anyone. I have conducted biomedical research, for which I have received research dollars from publicly funded national research councils and medical charities, and also from private companies including Novo Nordisk Foundation, AstraZeneca, Amelin, the AP Muller Foundation and the Augustinus Foundation. These companies had no control over the research design, data analysis, or publication outcomes of my work. Any recommendations I make are, and always will be, based on my own views and opinions shaped by the evidence. The information I provide is not medical advice. Before making any changes to your habits of daily living based on any information I provide, always ensure it is safe for you to do so and consult your doctor if you are unsure.